This is the Baymont Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today we examine the often avoided book of Lamentations and the shocking space it creates for the dark things that need to be grieved. Yeah, book of Lamentations. Sounds very fun. I know. It's, it is definitely not the book you look forward to. Just excited to get to the book of Lamentations. Not a whole lot of sermons being preached on Lamentations. The book we just... Boy, it's dark. It's foreboding. We don't dig We don't dig into it much, but it is. What kind of a prophet, Brent? Where are we at? We're in the Babylonian prophets. Babylonian prophets, okay. Tradition says that Jeremiah wrote Lamentations. Weeping prophet would make sense. I'm not sure there's much credence to the tradition, but tradition credits him with authorship. I don't think academia does, but reading Lamentations will make you weep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. All right, let's just uh, quickly review. Prophets, where have we been? Uh, Pre-Assyrian prophets, what do we got? We've got uh, Amos and Hosea. Amos and Hosea, what were their images? Amos was? Plum line and ripe fruit, and Hosea did married the prostitute. All right. And uh, what do we have? Uh, Judah prophets for Pre-Assyria. Uh, we had Micah and First Isaiah with the images of judge and uh, vineyard. Okay. Respectively. After Pre-Assyrian, we had Assyrian. We had four prophets, two to Isaiah. Or <laughs> to the Israel. To Isaiah. That'd be interesting. I know, right? <laughs> prophet to the prophet. Um, assistant to the regional manager. That's right. Uh, we had Jonah with the picture of potential and Nahum with the picture of Dean. Dean. Retributive justice. The pronouncement of incoming judgment. Okay. And then we had two prophets to Judah at the same time. We had... Zephaniah, Zephaniah. Yes, Zephaniah. And that was an uh, image of teshuva, return, yeah, repent. Yeah. Okay. And then second Isaiah with the image of woe. Yeah. Okay. I like that. And Not then, like woe, horsey, but right. woe as in woe. woe upon you. Woe to you. That's right. And that led us into the Babylonian prophets. We've talked about one. That was the very large, big prophet of Jeremiah. What was his image? Uh, weeping. There you go. All as right. we've referenced already. That's right. So uh, here we are, all caught up. Lamentations. Uh, let's just dive right in. Let's make this a... We had a long one last time. Let's make this a short one. Famous last words. Yeah. We'll see about that. <laughs> Hashtag. Yeah, right. Hashtag. Bay my podcast. Um, yeah, we're just going to dive right in here. First of all, before I even dive in, let me just recommend... I almost redid this whole lesson, uh, and I thought, you know, I'm really just going to be regurgitating and passing stuff off as my own that borders on almost semi-plagiarism. So I'm just going to recommend Rob Bell did a part of his Rob cast. uh, probably had to have been at least a year, probably a year and a half ago, maybe now. Uh, We said episodes 92 through 96. uh, Rob did a series on learning to lament. And it was really about the Book of Lamentations. And it was a phenomenal study through the Book of Lamentations. I really recommend listening to it. Like my podcast, great place to start, but if you really want to do some more work, and I recommend doing some more work, I would say listen to those podcasts. And I think you're going to link those episodes in our show notes so that you can find those. And uh, just really, really good stuff. And um, one of the things that he talked about right off the bat was just how Lamentations works in its literature. And, And you have these two different voices. These two voices that are kind of in conversation, kind of similar to Song of Songs, where you had the beloved and the and the and the groom, uh, and they went back and forth to each other. Well, this one isn't nearly as pretty in its poetry. Um, it's very dark, uh, but you have two voices. One is the voice of the narrator, 
And one is the voice of uh, the woman who represents Judah and the people of God, the bride, maybe, as you think of Jeremiah, talk about the people as a bride. So you have this bride and you have the narrator. And so the narrator opens and, and starts, and I'll let, I'll let Rob and that podcast talk more about that. But we're going to start in Lamentations 1 with the opening uh, verses here, and this is the narrator's voice. Uh, you have an observer who's just kind of looking out over Jerusalem has been destroyed, God's people are in ruins, and, and the narrator speaks. Uh, Lamentations says, How deserted lies the city, once so full of people. How like a widow is she who once was great among the nations. She who was queen among the provinces has now become a slave. Bitterly she weeps at night. Uh, Tears are upon her cheeks. Among all her lovers, there is none to comfort her. All of her friends have betrayed her. They have become her enemies. After affliction and harsh labor, Judah has gone into exile. She dwells among the nations. She finds no resting place. All who pursue her have overtaken her in the midst of her distress. And so here's the voice of this narrator who looks out and just kind of opens lamentations with a very bleak, uh, grim observation of what is happening. But then a few verses later, towards the end of verse nine, all of a sudden the voice changes. We're no longer listening to the narrator, but we're listening to the uh, voice of the woman. And she says this, she says, look, O Lord, you can hear the voice change. Look, O Lord, on my affliction, for the enemy has triumphed. The enemy laid hands on all her treasures. Uh, And then she said, and we're back to the narrator's voice again. Um, uh, At the end of verse 11, she says, look, O Lord, and consider, for I am despised. And Rob will go on to talk about that. Her voice is really prevalent as you get into chapter two. All of a sudden, she gets to have a larger monologue. I'm going to jump ahead to chapter two. Uh, I'm going to look at, let's see here. Um, how about verse 20? Uh, this is some, this is some deep, dark stuff here. Look, O Lord, and consider whom you have, whom have you ever treated like this? Should women eat their offspring at the children they have cared for? Should priest and prophet be killed in the sanctuary of the Lord? Young and old lie together in the dust of the streets. My young men and maidens have fallen by the sword. You have slain them in the day of your anger. You have slaughtered them without pity. As you summon to a feast day, so you summon against me terrors on every side. In the day of the Lord's anger, no one escaped or survived. Those I cared for and reared my enemy has destroyed. So her voice comes in and she says, is this, is this right? Is this? And she references what I believe. Do you, do you remember any of those words showing up anywhere, Brent? Uh, talking about, I mean, there's some dark, screwed up stuff here, like people eating their children. Has that shown up before? Or is this the first time we've seen it? Um, has that shown up before in, in Israel or in just the text? Well, in the text, perhaps I would, I would, our assumption is going to be yes. If Marty's asking the question. Sure. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 28 had these, if you remember, as we walked through Deuteronomy and there was that passage that was like, if you do what's right, good things will happen to you. But if uh, you do what's wrong, yes. here are these curses. And uh, in fact, some weeks ago on the Facebook page, we posted, a podcast where Peter Enns kind of went through uh, all of this uh, stuff in his in his perspective. Um, but there's some pretty dark stuff in Deuteronomy 28. So when you see this in Lamentations, it's really a throwback, a poetic throwback to what God said in Deuteronomy. And the author of Lamentations is saying, all the stuff that you said would come true, it's now coming true. 
all the stuff that you warned us about, we didn't heed the warning, and now we're experiencing it. Uh, and at this point in the book, she's crying out and saying, is this right? Like, honestly, you're going to sit by and let this kind of stuff happen. And before we even move on, uh, I want to just make a point about the lament. Um, I have I have just a few notes here um, that I'll read. Uh, like I said, not too many sermons being prepared to exegete these passages from Lamentations. And yet, I find it interesting to know that the Bible makes space for this kind of emotion. As we've stated before, uh, I think we might we think back to the... Uh, we've had conversations about creating space for grief. We've had conversations about uh, the Psalms and imprecatory Psalms. Um, We've talked about this a little bit before. The Bible doesn't seem to waste time creating spaces for all people to connect with the presence of God. This is not a book referencing the Bible um, or even Lamentation specifically that refuses to speak to those who mourn Uh, The Bible is not a book that demands you to get your act together and put a smile on your face first. There is space for the lament. And for those that have never heard that before and need to hear it again, I'll say it yet one more time. There is space for the lament. It's okay. Um, Part of the reason that the Bible has a book of lamentations, part of the reason we do read imprecatory Psalms, part of the reason that we do have some of these passages is because the Bible knows that we have to be able to call, to call out and recognize the darkness that is inside of us. Because if we don't process it in appropriate ways, if there's not something to do with the grief, if there's not something to do with the lament, If you can go nowhere with it, it's going to find an outlet eventually. Now, there are healthy responses to the lament. There are healthy things to do with your anger and your rage and your grief. And there are are healthy ways and there are unhealthy ways. Um, But there are healthy ways. And, And we've said it before in our podcast. We don't do a good job creating healthy spaces for this lament. Um. But this is one of the reasons why I appreciate art so much uh, and and why I really have a hard time drawing these hard lines between you can't engage this kind of art, you can't engage this kind of art, you can only listen to Christian music, you can't watch these kind of movies, you can't, because art has a way, now obviously there are appropriate things to engage at different levels of age development, and I'm not arguing for just a... Uh, anarchy when it comes to our consumption of the media. But art has a way of giving us expression to get rid of. It's it's part of the reason why Christian music for some of us is such a joy to listen to, but just gets, you have these moments where you're like, I cannot listen to one more praise song. Like if I hear one more, and Christian music doesn't sell, <laughs> quite literally, uh, if they make darker, more honest music. And so what you're forced to do is find these other outlets and of, of expression. This is why some of us are drawn, I, mean, I don't want to just use, start throwing labels around Christian and secular, but some of us are drawn to a more secular perspective and, and, and you pop in that CD and there's something inside of you and you wrestle with all this guilt and shame as that favorite album of yours, you pop it in and your whole soul just kind of breathes a sigh of relief like, oh, yes, because that expression of the frustration and the anger and the rage. Now, obviously, again, there's healthy ways to do that and unhealthy ways to do that. But it's really good to pause here in Lamentations and go, this is another place where the people of God 
are finding a space to just rage and they're raging at the appropriate place. They're not raging irreverently. They're not raging in a way that disrespects and dishonors Adonai, but they are raging at Adonai, letting him have the emotion because he can deal with it. He can accept it. Now, it's kind of an Ecclesiastes thing. There's a time for this. Uh, yes. You're not going to live here forever, yeah. but there's an appropriate time and place for, for these emotions. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. There's a time and a place for, for everything. A season for all things. Uh, so a little bit more academically. We'll close the book with a little bit more academic observations. Um, a, a few things going on in, in Lamentations. First of all, Lamentations is what's called an alphabetic acrostic. Lamentations is an alphabetic acrostic. Um, what that means is that uh, every line, you don't see this in the English because it's not written in the English, so it doesn't work with the English alphabet. But in the Hebrew, and you can jump on Blue Letter Bible and check this yourself, uh, every line of the poem, every, in our, I don't know, in my Bible, it looks like, like every stanza. It's really a, a line, a stanza in the Hebrew. Every stanza, verse one, starts with, we would say the letter A. In Hebrew, it's Aleph. And and two would be letter B, but we would say Bait. And then three is Gimel. And four starts with Dalit. And it goes through the Hebrew alphabet. And, and there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And so you'll notice how many verses are there in chapter one, Brent? 22. There's 22. There's a verse for every. It's an alphabetic acrostic. So every line starts the letter of the alphabet, A, B, C, D, or in their case, Aleph, Beit, Gimel, Dalit, and every line starts with that. Now, if you notice in chapter 3, there are 66 verses because there are three of each, Aleph, 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 Beit, 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 Gimel, 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 Dalit, Dalit, Dalit. And then it goes back in chapter 4 and chapter 5 to 22 verses because it's Aleph, Beit, Gimel, Dalit. But it's an alphabetic acrostic. But if we were paying close attention to those numbers, numbers are, are fun, aren't they, Brent? I, I do enjoy them generally. <laughs> 22, 22, 66, 22, 22. Anything strike you about that? Seems um, mirrored. Seems mirrored, yeah. You got like an A-A-B-A-A thing going on here. 22, 22, 66, 22, 22. Not only that, but 66 happens to be three times 22. I mean, this is really designed. It's not It's not trying to hide this very well at all. Lamentations is absolutely direct. Like if you're reading this at all, you immediately pick up on the nature of this chias, this chiasm. So we often will say when we go through our review, Lamentations... We like to call it ACA, AC, alphabetic, chiastic, acrostic. And we like ACA because it's, it's chiastic in and of itself, right? Uh, so Lamentations is an alphabetic, chiastic, acrostic, which the moment we identify it as such, we need to look for what, Brent? The center. The center. Now, uh, we've pulled up the center. What are you going to be reading for us? Uh, let's see, starting in 3, chapter 3, verse 19. All right. Now, before you start, this whole time going through Lamentations, it's been dark. There, there's not... There's no light in Lamentations for the first two chapters. In the very first part of chapter three, it's all, this is how bad it is. This is how bad it is. This is how bad it is. And then a shift starts to happen as we begin to work towards the center. And you're picking up in, you said, 19? 19. All right. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast with me. 
Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Okay, so all of a sudden there's a shift happening. Like I remember all this stuff, but then I remember something else, and I have hope. Well, hope is a weird thing to have in the middle of this book. Go ahead. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. Okay, so in the midst of all this lament, the tone is changing quite a bit. Like it's good it's good for a man to sit here in this space. And you're like, what? For two chapters, I've been reading about how horrible this is. But now all of a sudden, we're, as we get closer to the middle, we're, we're getting reflective. Like, no, maybe we should just... Maybe we should just stop and realize it's good to wait on the salvation of the Lord. What? What's going on here? Keep going. Let him sit alone in silence, for the Lord has laid it on him. Let him bury his face in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him offer his cheek to one who would strike him, and let him be filled with disgrace. Okay, so now the author says, uh, let him sit alone in silence. Let him bury his face in the dust. Let's just stop for a moment, the author says. And let's just sit in this space as we wait for the salvation of the Lord. Let us consider, let us consider something. And now we come to the middle of the book of Lamentations. Keep going. For no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love. For he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone to crush underfoot all prisoners in the land, to deny people their rights before the Most High, to deprive them of justice, would not the Lord see such things? Okay, so now the author said, this is the, that was the center of the whole book, the, the center of this chiasm, is, listen, God doesn't cast people off forever. He doesn't just do, the, do this because he willingly enjoys it. He does it because people are being crushed underfoot. Uh, so there's this theme of injustice again. He does this because he rises up against injustice. And so he's going to rise up against this injustice would be the implication. Like The implication here is we're lamenting, we're lamenting, we're creating all this space for our grief, we're lamenting. But let's stop and think about it because we know who God is and we know that we're going to be rescued eventually because we always have hope. Okay, go on, keep going. Who can speak and have it happen if the Lord has not decreed it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both calamities and good things come? Why should the living complain when punished for their sins? Let us examine our ways and test them, and let us return to the Lord. Okay, so now the author says, uh, why should any living man complain when punished for his sins? So all of a sudden now, it's not just about our rescue, but the author is saying, so the author kind of shifted and said, let's sit here and reflect. Let's think about who God is and take hope. And now on the backside of hope, let's start thinking about our own sins and how we've actually been to blame for this. Because uh, let us examine our own ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. Sh little, little Shuva there. Okay, go ahead and keep going. Let us lift up our hearts and our hands to God in heaven and say, We have sinned and rebelled, and you have not forgiven. You have covered yourself with anger and pursued us. You have slain without pity. You have covered yourself with a cloud so that no prayer can get through. You have made us scum and refuse among the nations. 
All right. And so now all of a sudden the book goes back down on the backside of the chiasm and it goes back into darkness. But right in the middle is this treasure of how to deal. Like, first of all, you, you can just read the book of Lamentations and appreciate the fact that it gives you space for your lament and your grief and your darkness. And it gives space to that. But then if you keep reading it, if you keep reading it and keep reading it, and keep reading. Eventually, this book is going to start to do a work in you. And all of a sudden, you recognize the chiasm. Now, all of a sudden, this same book that was giving you space for your grief, the same book is speaking back to you about moving on from your grief, turning your grief into something redemptive and productive. And so this book starts to do a work, and you come out of this book back into your grief, but with a newfound perspective about why your grief is is can't maybe here in the first place. I'm not suggesting that everybody's grief is the result of their sin. It's not the point of my podcast at all. But it is the point of the author of Lamentations as he or she looks at all the destruction. And in this particular instance, in this piece of historical context, the author is saying, I think there's something here we need to think about. And the good news is, is that God doesn't cast us off forever. The good news is, is that his rescue and redemption is coming. The good news is, is that there's always hope in the midst of the lament. And in Lamentations, quite literally, there's hope right in the middle of the lament. And this is our little discussion on Lamentations. Only 22 minutes. I got to hand it to you, Marty. That hey. was pretty good. Yeah, we got it. Even though this uh, is a little book, there's still there's still a big discussion to have here. So we hope you find a discussion group. Uh, you can find those on our website. Uh, Marty, I think you wanted to say something about discussion groups. You've got some plans for yeah. discussion groups. Yeah. Well, first of all, we're going to, in the months to come, I'm not going to make any guarantees about the near future. In the months to come, we're going to make sure that every year or so we're updating our online map and our online database. I'm sure there are some groups out there that started as launch groups that are now full-blown groups. I'm sure that there are uh, groups that have either moved on or are no longer meeting. We need to just update our list to make it accurate. I'm sure that there are new groups that haven't even contacted me yet. If you're out there and you're meeting, uh, we'd love to throw you on the map. I mean, like I said, weeks ago, uh, I was traveling around. I was in Peoria, Illinois, and I met who knows how many of you that listen. And uh, and a lot of you weren't on the map. Uh, I'd love to get you on the map so that people know that it's out there because there could be other people listening uh, and, and would love to talk to people, especially about, about lament. Talk about creating space. What if somebody is working through lament and has nobody to work through lament with? Uh, there's nobody to give witness to that voice. Uh, so it's important. So let me know if you're out there listening to this. You've never contacted me. You're not on our map. Or maybe you contacted me and I misplaced your email. Heaven forbid. Uh, but uh, we'll make sure we get you on there. We'd love to have you uh, on our database. But the other thing is... is all of you that meet around the country, um, I'm hoping you were talking about plans, Brent. I'm hoping in the future, in the year to come, next school year, uh, to kind of change some of the ways that I travel and to come meet some of you and some of these groups that meet around the country. Um, we're always looking for uh, really staff. One of the things we've really been pushing on this year at Impact Campus Ministries is we're looking for more college ministers on more college campuses. And some of you that uh, study Bema do it in the context of a of a campus or a college demographic. Some of you don't, um, but I want to use the opportunity for those of you that listen. Man, you take this stuff and you give it to a, a, a Gen Zer. 
uh, a millennial, and and you turn them loose with the ability to ask questions and wrestle with the text. And this is a beautiful, amazing thing, the work that I get to do in campus ministry every day. And we need more people like me serving on more college campuses so that more people can be exposed uh, to the gospel in the right kind of way. And so I'd love if there's anybody out there. Uh, one of our last hires at Impact was uh, Bayma Mazula. Um, was meeting and uh, I went and visited them, didn't even know they existed. Somebody told me I went and visited, uh, talked about how we're looking for more campus ministers, and one of our newest hires, Mr. Carl Moritz, um, headed to the University of Montana, um, came out of that discussion, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to miss the profound nature of that conversation. I figured, I bet there are more. I bet there are more Carls out there in our listener base around the country. So I want to come meet people and I want to come say hi. And I, I want to talk to you guys and obviously about all the Bay must stuff. And I want to talk about the text, of course. Uh, and I'd love to talk about uh, if there's anybody out there would love to work with me and uh, help me do what, I, what we do. So there you go, Brent. Sounds great. So you can find all the details you need for that at com. There's ways to get a hold of us. Of course, we've got the Facebook page. We've got um, Twitter. You can find Marty at Marty Solomon. I'm at EIBCB. Get a hold of us one way or the other. Let us know what you're wrestling with. We want to, you know, ask questions together and and dig deeper into the text. So thanks for joining us on the Baymaw Podcast, and we'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>